The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. There's no doubt from even a cursory reading of scriptures that God is so much greater than man. God is not us. He is not like us. He is greater than us. In a very real sense, he is other than us. And I mean that with a capital O. God is the great other. He is different from man. But as we read in the scriptures, there was a time when the great other became our brother. In today's message, we begin looking at the last part of the second chapter of the book of Hebrews. One of the most important foundational truths of Christianity is that this great other, God Almighty, became flesh and became our brother. And we'll see that beginning today in the first half of this message. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
will, to the second chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, and beginning in verse 9. Hebrews 2 and verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. I want to preach to you tonight about when the other became our brother. When the other became our brother. Now I realize there's a sense in which he has always been our elder brother. From before the foundation of the world, he stood as a lamb slain. I get that, okay? But tonight I want to look at this from the time perspective, from a perspective of here in time, how this worked out, and not from an eternal perspective, okay? And we need to understand something about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is fully God. He's not the second in command of the Trinity. And then, you know, some people seem to think that God the Father is the general and, and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are his lieutenants. But the truth of the matter is, is they are all the general. They are all Actually, the commanders in chief, if you will, <laughs> they are all equal. There is no difference in power, authority, Godhead, in anything that in any way you can make a distinction. There is no distinction between God, the son and God, the father and God, the Holy Spirit. There's a place in I believe it's John where he says, I and my father are one. There's a place in 1 John where it says there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, okay? So from that perspective and from understanding that Jesus Christ is very God, then by nature we have to understand that he is other than us, if you will, I, if I can use that term. He is he is not like us in that nature there, in that God nature. He is other than us. That is, he is different from us. I understand that man was made in God's image, but Adam marred that beyond recovery by any man. 
We are no longer like God. We may be somewhat in his image. That image, though, is marred now. And we are not like him in any way that matters. So I want us to look at this tonight because, because he is other than us. And I say that with a capital O. He is the great other, if you will. He is not us. We are not God. There was a place over there where he told the children of Israel, you thought that I was altogether a man just like you. But he said, I'm not. He is something different. But there was a time when that great other became our brother. I want to talk to you about some of these things tonight, if the Lord will be our helper. As I've already said, by nature, God is other than us. God is by nature a being that is categorically different than man. And in fact, he is in a category by himself. If you'll turn with me back over to the book of Isaiah, and let's look in Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 40. In verse, look at verse 18. I want you to listen to what he says here. Verse 18. Isaiah 40 and verse 18, he asks the question, To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Y'all know that Meredith had her baby about a week and a half ago, or a little over a week ago. And what's the first thing you start doing when when the baby's born, he said, well, who does he look like? Oh, he looks like his daddy. He looks like his mama. He looks like his granddaddy. I told him this morning, Brother Craig, people, the people that say he looks like me are saying that because he's fat like me, you know. That's the only way he really looks like me. But, you know, there's a lot of times we'll go around and we'll, you know, maybe be talking to somebody and trying to tell them about someone we met. And we'll say, oh, well, he looks kind of like Brother James, or he looks kind of like Brother Craig, or he looks like Sister Lydia, or she, or she I hope he doesn't. She looks like Sister Lydia. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> slip of the tongue. She looks like this one or that one. In fact, in fact, Sherry and I had an experience this week <laughs> where we were down at the hotel down, down in uh, Baldwin County, and, and we were walking through the, um, through the lobby, and I looked over there, and there was a lady sitting at a table, and I just kind of had a side view of her, and I said, I believe that's a person we know, and I named that person to it. Sherry looks, oh, yeah, that's her, that's her. Well, then we decided to walk down and speak, and as we walked, as we got closer, we realized that wasn't her. <laughs> but she looked like her. She looked so much like her that we mistook her for the person that we knew, okay? Now, my point about all that is this. With men, we can do that. With you and I, we can do that. But with God, we cannot do that. You can't take God and say, well, he's like this over here, or he's like that over there, or maybe take some characteristics of Zeus and some characteristics of Ares or Mars or one of the other gods over there and say, well, God's kind of like that. God says, to whom will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare him unto? Verse 25, he says, to whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? And he's not asking a question there to gain information. That's a rhetorical question to impart information to us. I am not like anybody else. I'm not like any other God. I'm not like any other entity. You know, sometimes we get this idea of God as some great impersonal force. 
You know, I mean, who didn't like Star Wars? I love Star Wars. May the Force be with you. But, you know, God's not the Force, you know? That was their version of God, I guess, in that universe but, and in that, in that movie, that fictional movie. But, see, God is not like the Force. He's not like the gods of the uh, Persians and the Greeks and the, and the Romans over there. He's not like anybody. He is in a category by Himself. And I'll tell you this, too. He will not give his glory to another. He will not give his glory to another. He tells us that. God is in a category by himself. He is categorically other than man and other than anything else that man can think of. In Isaiah chapter 55, in verse 8, he sets himself apart from man in a very clear way that we need to remember in the day in which we live. In Isaiah 55 and verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I don't have time tonight to go into it, but I want you to go back. I, I seriously want you to go back and read the whole chapter 55. Because while this, these two verses, we can take them out and we can use them in just about any situation we can think of about uh, comparing uh, God to man and to other things in this world, uh, the actual context here is about the kingdom of God. The actual context here is teaching us about, it's foreshadowing, if you will, the church kingdom here and now. And by the way, that means there's a very specific application there that we sometimes miss, but that needs to be taught in the world. And that's this. You do church like I say do church. Amen. Even though it may not look to you like it's going to work. I understand the mega churches of this world are more attractive to human beings out there and to the flesh. I mean, there's, there's something attractive about having a coffee station in the church uh, lobby, you know, or a Starbucks there. There's something neat about that from a human perspective, but God said it just won't work. <laughs> he said, this is the way I want it to work, and by the way, because I want it to go this way, you don't have the right to make changes to it because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, my, my ways than your ways, and there's a reason that the church has existed down through the ages of time in the simple form of preaching and praying and singing, just like what we do here. It's because God knows better than we do. <laughs> that's, that's just the simple thing. I wouldn't have thought it up this way. Brother Craig, I'd have had all kinds of things to attract people, but uh, God, God says you don't need that because what I've given you works. Uh, by the way, you can attract people doing these other things, but I'm sorry to say you'll attract the wrong kind of people, or for maybe not the wrong kind of people, but you'll attract them for the wrong reasons, okay? <laughs> you may attract some of God's children, uh, I'm saying. They're, you know, I'm not saying the people that go there aren't children of God and that they're not enticing things to children of God, but they'll be there for the wrong reasons. You know, one of the beauties, by the way, of just doing it simply is that we're not in competition with anybody else, you know? I don't have to compete with the church down the street because, uh, you know, if, if, if a church down the street gets uh, 
uh, gets a big quartet or something like that, the next church is going to get a choir. And then the next church may get an orchestra. And then, or maybe, maybe a church gets a, a, a basketball team over here. Then I need to get a softball or a baseball team over there. Maybe even a football team. Who knows? You know, we got, I got to keep competing. And, and anything I do, you can outdo. But praise God, you can't outdo Christ. And what he has set up here, just a simple preaching, praying, and singing of his word. I'm so glad that that's what he gave us. I'm not smart enough to outthink the guy down the street. <laughs> but praise God, his thoughts are above mine. And he has a way, of, he has set himself apart from man in so many ways. In every way that matters, in every way you can think of, he has set himself apart. In Romans chapter 11, in verse 33. Paul makes this statement under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You see, I can make a career, and we all should make a career out of trying to search out God. We should. That should be our career. That should be what we try to do all day, every day. I'm not saying you quit your work and sit down and go into a monastery and start, you know, reading and copying uh, uh, the Bible and all that. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about in our minds, even at our work, even at our, uh, in our play, in our recreation. Wherever we are, we ought to be trying to search out God. But I got news for you. It's a fruitless effort. You will never search Him out. <laughs> you ought to try. <laughs> it's a glorious undertaking. We ought to keep trying to do it but understand that his he is he is unsearchable and his ways past finding out and then he goes into what we're going to go back to here in Isaiah chapter 40 he begins to quote it there for who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor turn with me back over to Isaiah chapter 40 and let's look at some of the things that he's different the, some of the ways that he's different from us I want you to notice something Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 13, notice this. He is greater in his person than anyone or anything else. He is so much different from us. Look at, look at verse 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? You know, you know there's some things that, that we have that God doesn't have. That sounds strange, doesn't it? <laughs> but I can tell you, there's some things that we have that God doesn't have. I have directors. I have people who direct me from time to time. The word direct means to adjust to the standard. <laughs> well, see, God needs no adjusting to the standard because he is the standard. <laughs> we have all kinds of directors. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? We live in a free country. Well, when I went to park yesterday at Ashley's graduation, I couldn't just park wherever I wanted to. I had somebody directing me as to where to park. And then when I got out of my car and came walking back, I was going to cross the street at a certain place, and I was stopped because I had somebody directing me not to cross the street there, but to cross it over here. You see, there's so many ways in life that we have directors, but who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? And the answer is no one. God has no director. 
He has no one pointing him out and saying, God, you need to go here, you need to go there. We didn't find anywhere in the Gospels in the life of Christ where any man was telling him, you, got, you can go there or you can't go over here. He said, I must needs go through Samaria one time. And he, he went many places that he directed his disciples to go. Nobody directed him. Nobody directs the Spirit of the Lord. And let me just say this too. I understand, and you do too, that in the religious world today, there's teaching out there every Sunday, all the time, that, that if you'll do certain things, then you will corral the Spirit of the Lord and cause the Spirit to be obligated to come down and to cause you to be born again. You know, if you'll pray the sinner's prayer, which you won't find in the Scripture. Point me to the sinner's prayer in the Scripture. It's not there. I don't mean that to be ugly. I'm just saying we need to base it on Scripture. If you'll, uh, if you'll accept Him, if you'll, uh, if you'll pray that prayer, if you'll hold on or let go or pray through or do whatever it is, then the Lord will be obligated to born you again. Jesus explained it this way. He said it's like the wind over in John chapter 3 and verse 8. He said it's like the wind. It blows where it wishes. You can't tell where it came from, and you can't tell where it's going again. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? No preacher has. No sinner has. No one has. No one can. Praise God, because I'll be honest with you. In my flesh, if I could direct the Spirit of the Lord, I would direct Him away from me. See, that's the problem with, with the idea that it's up to the sinner. It's up to you to do something to get born again. It's up to you to do something to get the Spirit of the Lord to, to, to make you new. Because you see, in our flesh, we would not do that. What's he say about the natural man? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. If someone came to me and said, hey, I got the Spirit of God here, and you need the Spirit of God, I, I want you to just ask him into your heart. I want you to take hold of him and bring him into your heart. I'd say that's foolishness in my flesh. I'd say that's just foolishness. Why would I want to participate in foolishness? And that's, it's worse than that. <laughs> It's not only that you think it's foolishness and would not do it. He says, for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. For they are spiritually discerned. See, it's not just that we won't, it's that we can't. I know I've said this so many times, you could probably quote it. You know what I'm about to say, most of you that have heard me. Is that we're in such a condition by nature, before the new birth, that we would not come to him if we could, and we could not come to him if we would. That's a, that's a Michael Goldwyn statement, so I know it's true, Brother Craig. <laughs> I heard Brother Michael say that one time, and he's exactly right. We would not come to him if we could, and we could not come to him if we would. Praise God we can't direct the Spirit of God. Praise God that no abortion or scalpel can prevent the Spirit of God from coming into that heart of that little baby that's about to lose its life. Praise God the Spirit of God can Born that one again. Amen. Apart from a preacher, he can even do it to a thief on a cross. Do you know that? He can even do it to a thief on a cross who had not been preached to, who had not been baptized, who had not been evangelized, who had not been given steps to take or, or prayers to pray. He just born him again. You say, well, wasn't he the good thief? He wasn't to start with. <laughs> 
We're told that both thieves were bad thieves. Both thieves were casting the same mockings and, 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 and the, the cursings and all the things that was going on in the teeth of Christ. But suddenly that thief had a change of heart. You know why that is? Because no man can direct the Spirit of God. No man can direct Him. No man can prevent Him. Praise God, He has no directors. Notice this, it says back in verse 13, Or being His counselor hath taught Him. His counselor. You know, we have all kinds of counselors, don't we? Why don't we go to a doctor? You say, well, for medicine. Well, you really go to a doctor for counsel. I can get medicine at the pharmacy. You know, I can, go, I can go get somebody to give me a pill or a shot here and there, but we need the doctor to counsel us in what it is we need. We're praying for Brother Warren right now that the counselors, the doctors, will figure out what his problem is and prescribe a method of treatment. We go to lawyers to help settle our estate affairs. We, we go to dentists for counsel about our, our teeth. We go to accountants for counsel about our finances. But God goes to no one for counsel. You know, I'm so thankful that it's that way. You know, believe it or not, I haven't figured out every detail of the Scripture yet. I don't have a complete grasp on theology. You say, why are you up there preaching? If you don't, well, I don't want a man who's up here preaching that claims to have such a theology to be preaching for me, <laughs> a grasp on theology, because that just tells me he's either very confused or lying, <laughs> one of the two. You see, we just said that God is unsearch His judgments are unsearchable, His ways past finding out. And what that means is, is that we got a lot to learn. And we will never plumb the depths of these scriptures and know everything about every detail of the scripture. Now, we ought to learn and grow in grace. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not preaching ignorance up here. We ought to be, I want a man standing in the pulpit who knows a little bit about the scripture. But I don't want a man in the pulpit who thinks he knows everything about the scripture. Because you know what that does? That makes him equal with God. I'm so thankful that the God who inspired this scripture is smarter than I am. I'm so thankful that the God who inspired men to write these words on these pages that we now have a translation of, I'm so glad he's greater in mind and thought. And I'm glad his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Because you see, if I could figure it all out, I'd be just as smart as God. <laughs> and by the way, if there were any foolishness with God, if there were, and I, that's, there's not, but the Bible even covers that. If there were, sometime you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 25 and read what Paul wrote to the Corinthians there where he says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know why God doesn't have any counselors? Because he doesn't need any counselors. <laughs> If he had any foolishness, it would still be wiser than men. If he came down here and said, well, let me find some wise guru up on some mountain somewhere in Tibet and let me see what he thinks. And he, once he heard what he thought, he'd find out, and he already knew it, that it was more foolish than even the foolishness of God. It wasn't even as wise as the most foolish foolishness of God, which, by the way, doesn't exist. <laughs> okay? That was Paul's way of describing to us how much higher 
God is than man. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.